Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from our Old Testament reading, we're going to read the first verse and the last verse uh, from that reading, and we'll have those words on the screen. From this first verse comes our title for the sermon, Who Has Believed What He Has Heard From Us? And then in verse 3, speaking of the coming Messiah, Isaiah says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. I invite you to read with me these highlighted words, and we esteemed him not. This is our text. Those verses from Isaiah 53 are are the second component of the section of Isaiah that we are examining on the Sundays in Lent. In his introduction to the series last week, Pastor Adams told us that the the very first word in, in the entire section is an important one for us. The word is behold. And among other things, that word means Pay attention. I wonder if that would be a good parenting word. If my kids would have paid more attention to me if I had begun some of my instructions to them by saying, Behold. Well, it's certainly too late to find out about that. But maybe I can try it out on you. So, behold. Since I'm obviously neither the Lord nor Isaiah, I need to add a please to that. And also a promise that I'll do my best to make it worth your while to pay attention. Our sermon series is titled The Agony and the Ecstasy. That's because during Lent, we are reminded that Good Friday is coming with all of the agony that Jesus experienced there. But we also know that Easter follows Good Friday. And we look forward to and anticipate rejoicing in the ecstasy of our Lord's resurrection. The words that serve as the basis for our series are clearly about Jesus. Last week, Pastor Adam showed a brief video clip, a Lee Strobel documentary, where everybody who had been asked about these words said, well, obviously they are about Jesus, and they're from the New Testament. Well, they were half right. These words were and are about Jesus, but actually they're from the Old Testament, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus. Part of what uh, makes it sound as if it it was looking back on something that had already happened, of course, is the fact that Isaiah appears anyway to be using uh, the past tense in describing the coming Messiah. Actually, uh, there's a, a term for this that Bible scholars have coined for when Isaiah does this and other prophets as well. It's called the prophetic future tense which simply means that the prophet is talking about something in the future 
that is so sure to happen that they refer to it in the past tense as if it has already occurred. That's what Isaiah 53 does. And Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus, his awful agony, and his eventual ecstasy. But you know what? Or should I say, behold, the agony and the ecstasy, that phrase, can also refer to the Christian, to our life of faith as followers of Jesus. The question from Isaiah 53 that that serves as the source for our sermon title is one that we also ask. Who has believed what they have heard from us? Well, the unhappy, even agonizing answer to that question, the truth is We have not always believed, not completely, not fully. As we confessed just a few minutes ago, there have been times where we have esteemed him not. And that's why the uh, first blank in your sermon outline on page three in your service folder says about faith, about believing, how hard it is. How hard it is for us first to believe, maybe especially when times are tough. On the one hand, are you kidding me? God comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ and we don't believe? How can that even happen? But actually Isaiah tells us exactly how that happens. Speaking of the coming Savior, he says, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that that made us desire him. See, Jesus had hidden his divinity within his humanity. And so he looked nothing like we think God ought to look which can cause us to overlook his presence in our lives, to esteem him not. And that can happen so easily. Where's Jesus when I needed him most? At such times, we don't always see him, even though he is always with us and right beside us. But when we fail to recognize that, we deny ourselves the comfort that Jesus wants us to have. Think of his disciples. While we know that Easter is coming, they did not, although he had told them that it was. So when he was crucified, the agony that they felt was deep and profound and completely unnecessary like it so often is for us. It's hard sometimes to esteem him. We're more likely to esteem him not. 
Let's make sure we understand what that word esteem means. It can carry with it some uh, connotation anyway of, of appreciate, but that's not really what it means. Really what it means is to admire. And when you admire someone, you want to be like them. You want to imitate them. The problem is all the times when we don't do that for Jesus, when we don't imitate him. And because of that, it is hard for us to believe, but it's also hard for others to believe when our actions do not reinforce our words. In addition to asking the question, who has believed us, maybe we should have a follow-up question, and, and that is, why don't they believe us? Well, one reason, as we have said, is that Jesus has hidden his divinity, but I, I think Paul gives us a, a clue as to another reason. When he says in today's epistle lesson, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. When we do the opposite of that, which is so frequently the case, we negatively affect the faith of others by our poor example. So here's something important. So behold, sometimes people have a hard time believing what they hear from us because of what they see in us. They keep their eye on us. And they judge other Christians, all Christians maybe, and, and Christ himself by what they see in us, by our actions. So, yes, it is hard to believe. It is hard to live what we believe so that others might also believe. But today, let's remember not, not only how hard it is, but also how sweet it is. The ecstasy that we can feel when we recognize the full extent of God's compassion. That he has compassion even on those, on us, who esteem him not. I don't think you could ask for a better example of that than what we have in this morning's gospel lesson. Where Jesus says of Jerusalem, that city that, that was always killing those to whom God had, or those whom God had sent there, was, was always, I'm not sure how that happened, always, and was planning, was going to be the one, the, the place where Jesus himself would die. And Jesus says about Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, now these words, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Amazing, isn't it? How much compassion God has on people, on us, even though, even when we esteem him not. In fact, God has so much compassion on us 
But there was a time when he showed no compassion to Jesus on the cross. Isaiah talks about people despising the Messiah and hiding their faces from him. We know there was a time, one time, when God himself hid his face from Jesus and and turned away from him as he was suffering for our sin. How sweet it is when we know God's great compassion to see with the eyes of faith. As Martin Luther reminds us, and, and this is in your sermon outline as well, that faith doesn't come from the inside, but it comes from the outside. And, and so Luther, speaking of faith, says that, that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him. God's compassion on us is so great that he even gives us the faith that we need to receive the salvation that he provides. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to esteem Jesus, to trust him, to know that God is with us also in the ugly times, that in fact he himself has experienced those ugly times, so that he knows exactly what it is that we are going through. And he knows that not just as God who knows everything, but as a man who has experienced those things even as we. Isaiah describes him as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The amazing thing is that his compassion for us is is so great that Jesus freely and lovingly chose that, to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It wasn't forced on him. And he not only knows our sorrows, he brings us through them. Since God one time hid his face from his son, we can know without a doubt that he will never hide his face from his children. How sweet it is to know that, to see that with the eyes of faith. Also how sweet it is when we can show others the life of faith. When when they discover how beautiful it is to live with Jesus by how they see us live like Jesus. The way Paul did. Again, from our epistle lesson where, where Paul invites the Philippian Christians, even as he invites us, Join in imitating me, he says. And if that sounds kind of boastful to to you, you'd have to get used to it because he says things like that pretty often, but but he's not being boastful. He acknowledges, and I think the best place for that is in 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 11, where he invites followers of Christ to, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's the key. To imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. That's the key. That's the challenge for us. Well, through the centuries, there have been many individuals who have done an exemplary job of imitating Paul and Jesus. I'm going to consider three of them. Uh, you already got a glimpse of this guy, so maybe you figured out who he is. You know who that is? 
Yeah, if you look in his right hand, you'll, you'll see the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, clover there. So that's uh, St. Patrick. Seems appropriate today, doesn't it? There's a lot of stories about St. Patrick that are not true. But what is true is that he was a fearless missionary to the pagans living in Ireland and in large part because of his mission work, that entire island was converted to Christianity. And, and so people today celebrate St. Patrick's Day, sometimes in ways that, that aren't appropriate, really. But um, uh, my wife and I had a little celebration um, yesterday for supper. We had corned beef and cabbage, although I prefer my cabbage to be fermented. So you can improve on corned beef and cabbage if you put sauerkraut on it and a, and a slice of uh, Swiss cheese, a little Thousand Island, and, and two uh, slices of toasted rye bread. That's the way to eat corned beef and cabbage. St. Patrick, worth recognizing, worth celebrating. I'm going to show you a couple other saints as well. And this is suggested by the, the title of our sermon series, The Agony and the Ecstasy. You may recall that, that that was the title of first a book and then a movie about Michelangelo as he was painting the Sistine Chapel, which is in Rome at the Vatican. And if you, if you go to Rome and you want to go into the Sistine Chapel, you can, but they don't allow speaking in there and they don't allow pictures to be taken inside. And, and so usually the guide will take you to these panels that are right outside the Vatican where the uh, scenes that are depicted on the Sistine Chapel are found. And we're going to zero in a little bit on that very center panel, which maybe you can read that's talking about the last judgment. And those three arrows point to three individuals. The top one is Jesus sitting on his throne on the day of judgment. And then the, the well, there's a lot of people around him, but that's why you use those arrows to, to point to two individuals who are sitting right at his feet. We'll zoom in on, on that a little bit. The first one there with the arrow, that's St. Bartholomew. He has a day on the church calendar, but nobody really celebrates it. Uh, that, that second arrow is pointing to what he holds in his left hand. Do you know what that is? That's his own skin. He was martyred by being skinned alive. And because of his courage, his, the way that he lived a life that, that showed his faith, he is remembered as long as the Sistine Chapel stands, he will be remembered and his faith will be celebrated. Same thing with the, uh, the other fellow over there. What he's holding in his left, you know this guy, maybe you don't know that he's on the, uh, the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, but what he's holding in his left hand, it looks like a ladder, it's not a ladder. It's an iron grate. This is that martyr who was roasted alive, whom we know very well. St. Lawrence. Because of the way he lived his faith and died for his faith, he is remembered in churches, being, uh, you know, churches named after him, but he is remembered as one of those who showed others the life of faith. Well, let's end our sermon where we started it with the question who? has believed? The answer? We have. Not always. Not perfectly. 
that we have by God's grace. Who has believed? We have. And how sweet it is. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.